Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sixth episode of your new favorite internet show, Vision Con Live. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, but you didn't come here to see me today. You came to see the man of the hour. He's a voice actor behind such popular characters as Knuckles from Sonic, Sector from Mortal Kombat 11, and Steve Delholm from Catherine Full Body, just to name a few. He's the voice connoisseur with an infectious allure. Please help me welcome the one, the only, Dave B. Mitchell. Dave, how you doing today? Doing well. And, and actually, I did come here to see you, so uh, maybe I'm the one, but... Dave, you're too kind. Thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. Oh, so, so glad to be here. Like, you know, again, I wish you could be in person, but uh, I'm glad we can all still connect like this. So. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, at this point, you know, we take what we can get as long as we're all being safe. But Dave, I just wanted to start us out kind of the same way I start all of these interviews. What I want to know is the superhero origin story of Dave B. Mitchell. Start us from the beginning and take us to, you know, an abridged version of where we are today. Uh, well, let's see. Um, I was born. Uh, I grew. I, I won't say I matured because I don't think I've done that, but uh, physically, I guess. Um, the, the sort of condensed version is growing up like a lot of people in my position. Um, I was the kid, you know, doing the, doing the, the silly voices and making jokes and, and kind of, you know, showing off in class and that kind of thing. And uh, did theater and music from, you know, the earliest ages. Um, and I was on stage a lot through school and set off when I was about uh, 21 doing music full time. Um, and I kind of, when I got out of high school, my idea was, okay, I'm going to split my time between acting and music because I love both of them. And I figured whichever thing was presenting the most opportunity at any given moment would be the thing I'd do at that moment and kind of, you know, kind of keep my, my toe in both waters. Um, and then, you know, eventually I figured out, oh, actually there is a way to make a living doing this. And so I kind of just started plugging away at it. And, you know, like, like most people, I just busted my butt for a lot of years and, you know, ate ramen and, and wondered how I was going to pay my bills and, and uh, just kind of kept working and learning and, and, you know, connecting and, and just doing the work and trying to get better. And, and uh, eventually uh, moved out to LA in 2004. And as of literally a year, I moved here October, 2004, October, 2005, I was doing, uh, I was a voice actor full time and that's all I've done since. And, um, you know, I have, I, I have a great life. I, I love what I do. And, and I get to, I'm one of the lucky people that, that gets to use the things that are part of who I am and actually make a living at it. Cause most people don't get to do that. Um, so I guess that's kind of the, the short version and, you know, along the way, just, and still to this day, every day, I'm still learning and trying to be better and, and learning from other people and, and, just paying attention to the work and just, just trying to do the best job I can and, and always trying to reach for the next thing. Well, first big question of the interview. Ooh. Top ramen guy, a Marchand ramen guy, or are we talking cup noodle? You know, the funny thing is I, I would vary between the three. I still do actually, because I still actually really like ramen noodles because I, fortunately I never got to the point where I had eaten them so much that I couldn't stand them anymore. Sure. Um, but uh, I think I honestly, I think I have a mixture of all three on my shelves right now and, and a couple of other different brands, some like some vegan brands and, and a few things like that. So uh, I'll go. I do like I will say cup of noodles. That's pretty cool. Just for the form factor, just because of the fact you got it, you put the water in, you can nuke it or you can just put the kettle on and, you know, or stick it under the Keurig or whatever. So for, for ease. For ease, I have to say cup of noodles, but they kind of all work for me, so. My man. All right. But no, in all seriousness, so what do you think your first, maybe not so much your big, your big uh, like debut role, but what do you think was the first role that you got that you thought, all right, I'm kind of on the, on the fast track to start it? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever thought that actually. Uh, I, I, I don't think, I think most people probably, I think it, it's sort of the, the frog in the boiling water thing. It's just like you, you, you know, every job you're, you're happy to have it. And some, you kind of get an idea that, Oh, this, you know, yeah, this, this is, Oh, Ooh, I forgot to silence my phone. Wow. What a rookie mistake. Also forgive me by saying uh, that you're wrong. I misinterpreted what you were saying. I thought you said you never made it. And I was like, okay, hold on. Oh, no, I, just, that whole <laughs> idea of, you know, fast track to stardom thing. It's like, I, 
you know, the, the thing that I've said a lot um, is, and I've said this a lot over the years, which is, you know, when I came here, fortunately, I, I came to LA and I'd already been working as a voice actor in, in a few other markets for, for about seven years by the time I got here. Um, and, you know, and, and my whole idea was I, I didn't, I never thought about the idea of being famous. I just thought about the idea of being busy. You know, I just, I just wanted to do the work. And, and yeah, along the way, there've been a few things that you kind of go, oh, oh, this is kind of a big deal. But for the most part, you're, you know, every job is different. You're happy to have every job. It's, and my agent always says something I think is very telling and people should, you know, know this, that it's just as hard to book a local radio spot as it is to book a national campaign because the skill set's pretty much the same. And in a lot of cases, you're competing against the same people, you know, and the work is the work. So, um, so it, you know, it's hard on every level, really. Um, but there definitely, you know, there were some things uh, along the way I can definitely look at. I remember, I think the first video game that I ever did, um, I think it was the first one, was, I believe it was Dynasty Warriors 5. Um, playing Guan Yu. I took over when Crispin left. Um, and that was one of those, oh, okay, this, this, is, this is pretty cool. Um, and just got to work on uh, a few other things. One of the, certainly one of the earliest ones I did when I was out here was uh, Highlander is my favorite movie of all time. It's my absolute favorite movie. Um, I've seen it probably 80 times. I know every word, every line, backwards and forwards. Uh, when I was in high school, my best friend and I watched it four times in a row one night. Um, so I worked on an animated film, an anime called, it was a feature length anime called Highlander, the search for vengeance. It was done by Yoshiaki Kawajiri, who was the guy that did Vampire Hunter D and Ninja Scroll. And like, so he's, you know, he's super legit. He's, he's very, very, you know, he's revered in anime circles. And I got to play a bunch of characters in that. And in fact, I, I, if you see that movie, it's actually a really cool film because it kind of takes the premise leading up to the first Highlander movie. And let's be honest, there's only one. There can be only one. Yeah, um, but it sort of takes the premise that leads up to Highlander from 1986 and kind of skips over Connor McCloud and all those events and the stuff in the TV show. And the TV show is actually quite good. I actually like the TV show um, quite a bit. But uh, so it jumps into this, you know, typical anime thing of this dystopian future stuff going on and i'm the first immortal villain that you actually see in the movie his name's malik he's this huge mutant that uses a, a huge chainsaw as his weapon which for beheadings that's a pretty good choice oh, yeah. better than a sword really because you know swords you got to develop some skill to actually behead someone a chainsaw that's pretty much does the work but so i actually i remember standing in the booth this was 2005 standing in the booth and there's the line on the page in front of me and i actually had to utter the line there can be only one and it was one of those moments the pinch yourself moment where you go wait a minute, what am I doing here? How did I get here? What is happening right now? Is this, am I really doing this? So I, I think if anything, it just because it was one of, the, one of the earlier ones and it was just so personal, uh, that's one of those, you know, I, and I still have those, those pinch yourself, what I call signpost moments, the things where you, you do them and you kind of step aside from yourself for a moment and go, this is where I am. Huh, how did I get here? And wow, this is, this is great. If you'd gone back, you know, 20 years and, and told, you know, teenage me sitting in the theater watching Highlander, one of these days, you're actually going to be a part of this and you're going to get to say that line. I would have been like, whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, there are, I just, I guess there are those signpost moments that happen, you know, all along. And, and I feel like you still need to, and I think that, that by and large, the majority of us do, because I don't, you, you really won't, find egos with voice actors as a general rule. I mean, it, it's such a great community of people that just really love the work and love each other and, and are super supportive. And, and I think all of us still kind of are in that thing of like, no matter how successful or big you get, we're still able and still willing to kind of step aside for a moment and go, wow, look, look at this thing that I get to do. Look at, look at what I'm doing right now. So. I mean, that, that's just so great. I mean, honestly, like in my, personal opinion um you know obviously you know every celebrity i get to interview i'm always very grateful very grateful for the job that i have but i will say it is interesting that you bring up the fact that you know you voice actors are a very humble uh stock you're not exactly uh, as egotistical as some celebrities are and you know hey different strokes for different folks but i would agree with you with that so whenever i'm told hey you're gonna be interviewing 
ex-celebrity, he slash she slash they are a voice actor, actress. I'm like, yes, internally. But um, my next question though, kind of deviates a little bit from that. Now, you said that you have a lot of signpost moments, which not surprising to me in the slightest. I mean, you, you as well as all of these guests that we've interviewed uh, so far, have IMDb pages, you know, off the charts. If I spent the time going through each and every character, we'd be here all day. But <laughs> I did notice something with yours, and mm. this might just be, though I don't think I'm off base here, but at least from what I've known, I'm a big fan of yours through a lot of your video game works. And I've noticed that you do a lot of video game voice acting you know in comparison you also do you know cartoons and anime as well but a lot of it a lot of your bigger roles are video games now is that oh, by sure, yeah. i'm sorry is that by design or is that just kind of how it came about uh, kind of a coincidence uh, i mean it's really uh how it came about because you know realistically uh, i'm really fortunate in that i get to i really do get to work in just about every area. Um, the only thing I don't do is audiobooks. Um, and, and I actually do have a good skill set for doing audiobooks. Um, I really don't have the time because that, you know, we always call it, that's the marathon. Um, and there are so many wonderful narrators doing audiobooks that, you know, that just bring all of these characters to bear and the storytelling ability and, and all of that. Um, but I, I don't have the time for that. And, and, on, and real honestly, just because. I would be new in that particular corner of the business. You know, it's just being honest, financially, it, it could take me away from other things that are more lucrative uh, just because of the time commitment, because I would be, at, you know, on the bottom rung as far as that goes, because I'd be the new guy. Um, but realistically, you know, I'm very fortunate in that I get to audition for, for just about everything that, you know, that comes through my agency as far as types of work. Um, Definitely have, you know, the bulk of the work I've done, the majority at least, definitely has been in video games. I've done over 100 games at this point. Um, uh, you know, I, I used to be a big gamer. I have not been in recent years because I know how obsessive I'll get about games. So I've kind of not. And, and here's the really funny thing. To this day, I still have yet to actually play a game I'm in. Man, that was my next question. Really? <laughs> Which is funny because I'll, I'll tell you, I do have one that I'm waiting and with all the time, like I've actually devoted a lot of my time, uh, you know, this isolation time of being at home to, uh, to getting back into writing and recording music again because that was something I had kind of, that kind of slipped aside a bit with, with work and just, you know, social life and all that sort of stuff because I wasn't home that much. So I've really been back in the, in the studio here. You can't see it, but I got my keyboards all around. I think you can see one of them in the background there. but. Um, but I do, I do have Mortal Kombat 11 uh, because I've been a huge MK fan since day one, going all the way back. And, you know, when I got a chance to, to go in and actually create a brand new character, playable character for MK11, I was over the moon with, uh, with getting to be Geras. And then when I showed up to do that and they told me, and I saw, wait a minute, Sector? They said, yeah. I was like, like Lin Kuei Robo Ninja Sector? They said, yeah. I lost my mind because Sector is my favorite Mortal Kombat character in that whole universe. So, so when I showed up and they're like, oh, you're playing Sector too. I was like, what? So, uh, so, so um, you know, honestly, we want every job that we can get. We do. You know, we're, we're mercenaries. We, and not in the sense that we don't care. We, we care about every job we do. And we, you know, we devote ourselves and, and, and kind of try to do the best work we can and, and, and get the job done. Um, you know, I've said a million times in, in interviews, but, you know, I liken what we do to really we're like studio musicians because you hire us because we've got the chops to come in and sight read stuff and play anything you put in front of us uh, and play it well. But sometimes, you, you know, you need us to play whole notes. It's not about showing off. It's like, you know, okay, your part is you're playing a whole note. Okay, well, that okay, technically boring, but... If you don't play the note, there's no chord, no chord, no music. We're there to make the music happen. Um, so we want to do everything. We want to give everything we can. It just seems like, uh, yeah, a lot of the opportunity has certainly come uh, in video games. And I remember one of the first people that I met out here uh, who's a friend and a guy that everybody knows who's one of the very best in the business. And he's a great guy, too. It was Nolan North. Uh, and I ended up working on something with Nolan. And this was when I, I'd been out here, you know, for maybe a year, not even. And, uh, and he told me, he said, you know what? You're going to do really well here. And I'll tell you right now, 
starting out, you're going to do a ton of video games because you, you have the skill set for it. And there's so much more work of, uh, in that field coming out that I'll, I'll tell you right now, you'll move on to other things too. But he said, you're going to do a ton of games. And he was right. Cause that's still the thing that, you know, numerically the, the greatest number of sessions I do in any given month are definitely games. Uh, and I'm, you know, so thankful for it because I love that world and I, and I get it, you know, having played a lot of games, um, it's just like anything else. You know, I, I know what it's supposed to sound like. I know how that world's supposed to work. I know what fans and the audience and the players, what they're expecting. So, you know, it's a thing of meeting the, the requirements of the creators and the writers and the directors, because obviously their vision takes, takes first place. That's the most important thing. But it also helps that, that they and I know what the players are kind of looking for so we can kind of try to create the best experience for them that we can. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I love doing it because it just, it's so varied and you never know what you're working on from day to day. And um, so no, it wasn't by design. Uh, it was really more just kind of luck. The fact that I was able to, to get in and, and, you know, go in and, and hopefully do good work and, and be easy to work with, which is a huge thing. Um, you know, you make people's lives easier and if you do a good job and you make their life easier when they're going to keep calling you. So, <laughs> well, you used a word that I actually kind of want to explore a little bit. You said mercenaries, which honestly is my new favorite way to describe a voice actor. But, um, you know, now I would say you're more of like, you know, an arena champion. You know, if somebody needs a voice actor for a video game or really anything, boom, Dave B. Mitchell, if I'm like a studio exec, but you know, it wasn't like that day one. So for the folks watching at home that are kind of, you know, thinking, hey, maybe I want to give a voice acting a shot. Maybe I want this to lead up to be my ultimate profession. Can you give them, I don't know, some tales of maybe your, uh, you know, some of the trials you had to go through to make it to you are today. You know, it, it couldn't have been easy, you know, to straight out the gate, right? No, no, for sure. Um, I mean, there's some specific advice I give to anybody that says they want to be a voice actor. And, and the, the reality I think, again, that you'll find is because our community is just made up of really good people and very supportive people of each other. And, and I, I think the majority of us really try to encourage other people too, because we were that person at one time and you never know who you're talking to. You could be talking to some kid who's better than you are, who, who's going to be the next big thing. Um, so, you know, you want to be realistic because it is hard. It's, it's, a har- it's hard. It's a long haul. There's no shortcut. Uh, if you ask a hundred of us that question, you'll probably get a hundred different answers and they're all just as valid, but just that nobody's, you know, nobody's path is the same um, in life, but certainly in the business, it's true. Um, but I think the biggest thing, just sort of to answer this in a two-part way, uh, if you want to be a voice actor, and there's a reason I've actually, I've grown to kind of dislike the term voiceover artist. Not that it's not valid and that voiceover artist is a thing and I do some work as a voiceover artist for sure. But more, and more or less, most of the work we do, particularly if you're talking about games, animation, stuff like that, it's voice acting. I'm a voice actor. Um, you know, we are actors. You just don't see us. Um, and sometimes people want to say, oh, well, you know, uh, it's harder than on camera or, uh, and the reality is none of it's easy. You know, it's ultimately we're all trying to achieve the same goal. We're, we're just trying to, we're trying to tell the truth. Whatever the character's truth is, we're trying to tell the truth. We want you to believe that we are who we are pretending to be. And then on camera has its own set of challenges, which are, which are difficult, Voice acting has its own set of challenges. They're, I don't say one's easier than the other. They're both, they're both equally difficult. Ultimately, we have the same goal. So if you want to be a voice actor, then the most important thing in that phrase, actor. You, you, you got you to be an actor. You got to study acting. You got to put the time in. You got to do the work because a lot of the, one of the traps a lot of people fall into, like, oh, I can do voices and they can imitate other cartoon characters or things like that. And that's great. And that, that's a great place to start. That's where a lot of people start because it kind of, kind of, you know, cues your ear into hearing the differences, finding those specific things, um, seeing what other people have done. But ultimately, it comes down to, what, you know, if it's just you doing a voice and I go, oh, that's someone doing a voice, well, well then ultimately it's failed because I don't want to hear something and say, that's someone doing a voice. I want to hear something and just think, oh, well, that's who that character is. 
That's how they talk. That's how they think. That's how they react. That's what they do. And just buy it. Just buy it as the truth. So that's, that's always my advice when people say, you know, how do I get into voice acting? Work on your acting. That's first and foremost, because having a quote unquote, you know, a good voice is generously probably about 10% of the gig these days. Um, it, it's not so much about having that voice, you know, back in the old days, particularly for announcers and things like that, it was about that voice. But now it's about, do I believe you? Do, you know, are you inhabiting the character? Do you, do I believe that you, that the character as they're speaking to me is speaking from themselves, from their brain and from their heart and from their experiences and who they are. Um, so that, that's, you know, you can make, if you're a good actor, you don't have to have a great voice. You just have to ha you just have to convince people that you're telling the truth. Um, and certainly as far as the difficulty of it goes, a lot of it, two things, one cliche, but Work your butt off, work hard, commit yourself to it, do it, don't quit, learn, study, practice, work, network. Um, and, the, and the other half of that is I was very lucky when I got here in that, uh, I, you know, I already had a, I'd had a bunch of experience before I got here. So I didn't get here with stars in my eyes thinking I want to be famous. I just, I wanted to work. That was it. I just wanted to work. And I met some people early on um, who helped me. One of the people that I'm sure all of you are fans of, uh, not only her work, but if you've ever met her, then you were completely in love with her is Karen Strassman. Um, Karen is, is one of the best in the business. She's one of my favorite human beings. And Karen was so helpful and instrumental for me when I first met her, that she walked me into a bunch of places. I, I ended up doing Dynasty Warriors 5 because Karen introduced me to them. Um, Karen walked me into a company called PCB Productions, which uh, you, you, if you're gamers, you may know who they are. If you don't, they're one of the big AAA studios that, you know, that does the big games. They do the Call of Duties. We did, uh, you know, we've done so much huge stuff there. They do a lot of the, a lot of the localization on Japanese games too. So they, the, a lot of stuff goes through them. Keith and Val, I adore both of them. They're again, wonderful human beings. Uh, Val, a very accomplished voice actor herself. Um, both of them great directors. Keith's an amazing musician, just blah, blah, blah. I could go on all day because I love him. But, but she walked me into them. And from there, I've now worked for them on so many projects for years. And to the point, as you had said earlier, where having done all of that, tried to do the best work I could do and, and try to make it easy to be around and not be a pain in people's butt, um, that you know, now they will call me. You know, Val has said a lot of the time, hey, you're my Swiss army knife. If I need someone to come in and just knock out a bunch of characters, I'm just going to call you, which is great. So, um, I mean, the, the short answer to my typically long-winded responses uh, in that case is uh, work on your acting, be a good actor, and maybe even more importantly, be a good person. You know, be, some, be professional, be someone that people want to have around, that that doesn't walk in with an attitude, doesn't walk in with ego, will listen, be directable, collaborative, and just, you know, just make it easier on people. And if you are a good person and you do a good job, you will work and that will breed more work. And that's how you build a career. Well, the next question I got to try to jump off the great response you just gave for that one is actually i'm gonna break one of my personal rules Catherine. i know you're watching right now you just submitted a question that i usually wait for viewers questions until the very end but it's just so great that i just can't wait for the answer so i'm gonna read off a Catherine woods apprentice's question which is asking have you ever had anything like imposter syndrome? And if so, how did you deal with it? You know, stuff like mental health is very important, not only to me, but VisionCon as a whole. So sure. anytime I see kind of a mental health centric question, I always kind of jump on it. So have you ever had any kind of sort of imposter syndrome, Dave? And if you have, how'd you deal with it? Um, real honestly, uh, no, no, I, I haven't. And I, I don't want that to sound like an arrogant response. Um, I think just, again, I'll, you know, I'm going to be 51 in July. You know, by the time that I, I got out here and, and, may, and was doing this as a full-time career, you know, I, was, I was already in my, what, I was in my 40s, 
I guess, right? 2000. I don't know. I guess I was late thirties. Um, but I think I was pretty well settled on who I am. I'd like to think. And I'm unlike so many friends and people I know, I was really lucky that, um, I had a great family life growing up. Um, mom, dad, younger brother. And I, I think one of the big things and one of the reasons why I, I never ran into that was that unlike a lot of people that, that went into entertainment as actors, musicians, artists, wh whatever, um, not one time, not one day, not one hour, one minute, one second of my life did my parents ever say to me, maybe you should think about something else or do you have a fallback position or how are you going to make a living? Every moment of my life, my dad passed away several years ago now, but one of my favorite things is that he got to see me succeed. Uh, and he got to see that the faith that, that he and my mom had placed in me was not misplaced. And it was, that's one of my favorite things is that I got to sort of reward their faith in me by saying, Hey, you know what? You encouraged me to, to do this and you were right. Cause I did it. Um, so I think just knowing that I've put the work in, uh, knowing that I try to be the best person I can be. I mean, God knows I'm not perfect. I make plenty of mistakes as we all do. Uh, and I will continue to make plenty of mistakes. Uh, the big thing is I, I try to acknowledge them if I'm confronted with them and I'm wrong. I try to be really honest with myself and realize, hey, I was wrong. I need to, I need to apologize sincerely. I need to try and make this right. And if I can't make it right, I need to try and make sure I don't do it again. Um, so I, I kind of feel like just knowing, just knowing that I think has given me at least a basis of confidence where when I, I get things, it's kind of like, all right, I, I got here. You know, I didn't, nobody handed it to me. I, I didn't, you know, uh, there's a certain amount of lock and ball for sure. Um, but I, I think the big thing is just knowing, okay, I'm here because I worked hard and I know the skills that I have because you, you need to have self-confidence. You need to know what you can do and you also need to know what you can't do. And, you know, if I'm confronted with something I know is just not right for me and I'm not the right guy, I'll tell you up front, I'll say, you know what, I'm probably not the best choice for this. There's someone that's going to do this better than I am. Um, so I think that's part of it too, is that, that everything that I do, I, f I feel like I got there honestly. And, uh, you know, I try to just check myself every day and make sure, okay, if, am I, and I think that's one of my favorite things sort of going back to that, that I think feeds into that. So one of the people I worked with on Dynasty Warriors 5, a woman named Stacy, absolute sweetheart. I remember her saying to me the first time we met and we, we had been working together, she said, you know something, you're going to do really well in this business here. I hope that you always stay the same person that you are right now. And years later, we were working on something else uh, after having, you know, having done a lot of projects together. And she actually said to me, do you remember about five, six years ago when I said to you that you were going to do well and I hoped you'd always be the same guy? And I said, yeah, of course. It was, of course I remember that. And she said, well, you did do well. And you're absolutely the same guy that I met back then. And that, that's probably even more than people complimenting my work. That's probably an even bigger compliment for me, just that, uh, that she still thought I was the same guy and she thought I was a decent person to begin with and that I still was. So that's, I mean, if I had a choice of, of things for my gravestone, if I had a choice between he was a great voice actor with a lot of talent or he was a good guy who tried to be a decent person. I'll take the good guy, decent person thing. Cause the reality is talent's not a choice. Talent's a gift. It's something you can't take credit for having talent. Um, you know, you can take some pride in putting the work in to hone and develop that talent and apply it, but deciding, you know, making the choice to be a good person and try to impact others in a positive way. That's a choice. And that's, that makes it special. So I would, I would take that anytime. Well, man, that was just a really powerful answer and like just very impactful words, which makes me feel really bad that my next few questions involve <laughs> you being a great voice actor. But you know what? We're going to roll with it. Well, I didn't say I don't like that part, too, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely, you know, it comes after the trying to be a good guy part. So Of course, of course. Well, but Dave B. Mitchell, you know, we all know you for a myriad of different roles, be it video games, anime, cartoons. But I want to know, what are some of your favorites throughout the years that you voiced? 
um that there's there's a lot um probably my usual answer when people ask if there's one particular character i really love playing and probably is my favorite there's um there's a web comic called looking for group which you may or may not know if you don't you should check it out it's been going now for ooh, uh 13, 14 years. So there's a lot of story there. It started off as a generally a parody of WoW, which I don't know if you can see. I've got one of my Horde shirts on right now because uh, most of the WoW characters I've played have been Horde. So, um, but it started off as a parody of WoW and then it kind of expanded out to sort of a catch of all, catch all for like all pop culture and fantasy and sci-fi and stuff. And it's really, really funny and it's really great. Uh, Ryan Summer, who's the writer, really funny, brilliant guy. Larda Souza, the artist, uh, is a, a phenomenal artist. I, you know, I usually, every time I've gone to Comic-Con, it's been to go hang out with those guys at their booth and sign stuff and, and uh, just watching Lar work. This guy just spins these incredible pieces of art out of nothing right in front of me. And I'm just like, I'm in awe of him. So they created this thing. And I had done some work with, uh, with them. They have a company called Blind Ferret up in Canada. And I had done some voice work for them on some of their earliest animated stuff. And so when they came out with Looking for Group, Ryan called me up one day and said, hey, uh, I've, so you know, you know the strip? I said, yeah. He said, so you know Richard? I said, yeah, of course. He said, well, you've always been the guy I had in mind to be the voice of Richard. Uh, when I started writing him, I was thinking of you as voicing him. So he gave me what they were looking for. We kind of worked it out together, what Richard sounded like. And so um, I've gotten to play Richard and we, we've done a few animated things over the years, uh, mostly teaser trailers for what was supposed to be a feature-length film, which I think is, I'm not sure if that's going on, if they're doing a series. We've done some game stuff. But uh, Richard, he's this undead warlock who goes around gleefully killing uh, everyone in sight, men, women, children, pets, he doesn't care, um, while usually singing parodies of Disney songs. So... Uh, I love playing Richard because I get to be, you know, uh, a British bad guy who gets to sing Disney songs and just, it's, it's so funny. Um, Richard's probably the most fun. Um, Shocker from Spider-Man PS4 was definitely a big deal um, because I'm a huge comic book fan. I, I'm a dyed in the wool geek and nerd, have been my whole life. Um, still am. That will never change. Um, and huge Spider-Man fan. So to get to bring, you know, really one of the, one of the iconic Spider-Man villains to life and the, just everything about that game, if you've played it, um, I, you know, I, I sing its praises every time I get a chance because, man, everybody that worked on that thing knocked that game out of the park. The writing, the, the art design, the, the coding, the music, the dialogue, the actors, the direct, just every single person on every single level brought their A game and made easily one of the best things I feel like I've ever been involved with. And to get to portray Herman, shocker, uh, you know, they, they gave so much depth to him for the relatively short time that he's there. And I kind of felt like too, it was one of the first times, just even the way they depicted him, when they showed me some of the early animations of him with the shock gauntlets, I was kind of like, okay, I felt like that was the first time we've really gotten a feeling of just how powerful Shocker really is. Oh. He's been one of the guys that's given Spidey some of his hardest battles over the years. And I felt like the way they did it, when I saw it, I could feel the concussive force from the shock gauntlets and the way that it hit and everything. I was like, oh, that's, that's it. That's Shocker. That's amazing. So, you know, just getting to be a part of that up front was, was phenomenal for me as a fan and as an actor. And then, you know, getting to see the finished product was just kind of like, all of us that worked on it, we were blown away by how good it was. None of us, as, as good as we knew it was as we worked on it, when we finally saw it done, it was just kind of like, I remember when we, so we did this cool thing. The, so they were very generous in that they took a lot of the, the cut scenes, the video stuff, and there's a ton of it in there. And they took it and they put it together into about an hour and a half movie. They don't have like the boss battles, so the shocker stuff wasn't in there. Um, uh, I think the vulture stuff wasn't. So a bunch of stuff's not there. Sure. But they took all of the, the 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 central story stuff, all of you know, Spidey, Peter, um, MJ, uh, Aunt May, Doc Ock, all of that stuff, and brought us over to a theater in Burbank, the cast and crew, and screened it for us as a movie. Oh wow! 
So I'm sitting next to Dave Fenoy and we're both watching this thing. And every five minutes, one of us will turn to the other and say, how can this be this good? <laughs> how can this be this good? And at the end of it, and I'm not going to give it away for anybody that hasn't played it because it's still well worth playing. But at the end of it, we're, we're all sitting there in tears. And I'm looking and going, I'm crying at the end of a story in a video game. How did they do this to me? And I even worked on it. I'm in this game. It, and it, they got me. They got me. It hits so hard. I mean, oh, it's so all, good. It's so good. It, and it's by far like one of the best games on the PS4, like objectively. And, you know, when I, when I saw oh, that yeah. Shocker was going to be in it, I mean, I was super stoked because I don't think we had Shocker. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we had Shocker in a Spider-Man video game since I think on the PS1, Spider-Man 2, Enter Electro. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But when I, I, saw I, I mean, because, yeah, there have been, been a number of people that have played him before me. So, uh, but, I, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I th and certainly, uh, you know, just for me as a fan, it's, it's my work notwithstanding, me having anything to do with it notwithstanding. I just, from what they created, the way they wrote him, uh, the, and I love the redesign of his armor. He looks like such a badass. Uh, and you really feel the power that Shocker has. You really feel that this guy is a genuine threat to Spider-Man, and this is not going to be a walk in the park. He's really going to have to bring his A-game to beat this guy. And I love the fact, and a lot of the fans had responded with this, and I'm so, it was so gratifying to hear people give this feedback that they got it, because um, hopefully it means I did my job right, because the writers certainly did theirs, um, that they felt the the torn the you know the the fact that herman was torn they felt the torment in him that he didn't want to be doing this he didn't really want to fight spider-man he just wanted to do what they were forcing him to do for his own reasons and get out of there and he even tries to reason with peter and say you know i don't want to do this i don't want to fight you just let me go and this is going to be over and i love the fact that they gave him that you know, the, the, that shades of gray thing. Because in real life, you know, almost nobody, and there's a few exceptions, but, sure. but yeah. most people as a general rule are, are shades of gray. Most people have elements of good and elements of not so good. And, and, and the balance is tipped, you know, but even quote unquote bad guys may still love their family, you know, and, and you know, pet kittens. And, and, you know, it doesn't excuse the bad things they do, but, but there's, there are shades of gray in life. Um, so I, I love the fact that they were able to depict that with, with the way that they did Herman in that game. And I, it was such a great thing for me to get to play him. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was super stoked even just when I heard the lineup. I mean, Yuri Lowenthal as Spider-Man, you as Shocker. I mean, let's go when I, when I saw that the game, when the game first came out. And, oh, my God, it was so great. But I did want to – you did touch on the fact that he is kind of – I don't know about an anti-hero, but there's definitely, like, kind of a gray area on his, like, morality. Now, for your games, your animes, your cartoons, all the characters you voice, they kind of kind of flirt the spectrum, be they good, bad, somewhere in between. Is there a preference that you have playing, or you just kind of take any role that, you know, becomes available to you? Uh, well, you know, again, back to the, the mercenary thing. And, sure. and one thing I do want to clear up, because I think one of the, the things, too, that sometimes fans misunderstand uh, when we say something like that we're mercenary and we want every role we can get, um, because as a fan myself of things, you know, you, I think one of the things, and this is where you kind of verge into that whole idea of toxic fandom, which has become a problem and something people have identified, you know, in recent years on, you know, the good side of it is that everything we're a fan of, we incorporate those things into who we are. It becomes part of our personality. The things we love are woven into the fabric of who we are. So we do tend to, I think, have something of a proprietary interest in the art that we consume because it's become a part of us. So we feel a certain sense of ownership towards it, which on the one hand is a lovely thing. Uh, when it becomes a thing of, of people saying, if you don't agree with how I feel about this, you're not a fan or, or you have no right to be a fan of this or telling the creators, no, you got it wrong. This isn't how you do it. Okay, well, that, that's, that's not healthy. That's not good. Um, but as a fan, you know, we live with these things over time. You know, I mean, I'm, I've been a Star Trek fan. Literally some of my earliest memories of life are from about three years old on watching Star Trek. To this day, I still watch Star Trek every day. It's one of my favorite things. I love it. It's a huge part of who I am. Um, so, 
you know, I've lived with that literally my whole life. And I know it inside and out. I know it intimately because I live with it on a regular basis. As an actor, particularly working on games and things like that, we don't, we don't have that same experience on the work side. Because a lot of the time in, we're co- a lot of the time we're coming in, we'll work on something for a day or maybe work on it for a few weeks, depending on the, you know, the scale of the character in the game. So, and, you know, we're given all the information that they can give us to, to, to get the work and to do the, do the job um, as, as best we can. But once that's over, then we go on to the next job. And because we, we interacted with something from, you know, if I did one session on something, it's two to four hours. Um, and then we go on. And then if people say, oh, well, you know, they, they don't care about this. Um, that's, that's not true. It's not that we don't care about it. We do care. And every time we set foot in the booth, we feel a responsibility, one, to the people that hired us to be there, to, you know, they're paying us money to fulfill their vision. That's a serious responsibility. Someone's paying you to do something. You owe it to them to give 100% and to try and fulfill their needs that they are giving you their money for. That's a big deal. Um, And the other side is walking in, of course, you, you want to also make the fans happy because you know we're trying to create something that's for people's enjoyment that's why we're doing it we want you to love it we want it to be something you make a part of yourself um but we don't end up living with it in the way that fans do so uh, i think they're i've, I've seen some complaints of oh, they you know they well, he didn't care it was just a job well nothing's just a job we we care about every job i can tell you that for a fact because, you know, we don't do these jobs. One, we don't eat. But two, we do this because we love the work. Because nobody's going into this thinking, I'm, I'm going to get rich at this. The fact that we're actually able to make a good living doing it is, you know, an incredible blessing and, and just kind of sure dumb luck in some cases. But um, so, you know, it's, it's not that we don't care. It's just that our exposure to it is different than when you have the time to pick something you like and then live with it. Um, so I, I just kind of wanted to make that clear. It's never, shouldn't say never, because I can't speak for everybody, but I think by and large, I think by and large, it, it's not that we don't care. We do care. We're just, we're just not having the same level of exposure over time and living with it as when you choose to play a game or watch a show. With a show, it's a little different because particularly if you're doing something episodic, then you do get a chance to live with it. You know, you, you're working on something over time, which is great because you get a chance to develop the characters and understand the world and understand the other characters and, and how they interact with one another. And, and so that is a different thing. But definitely on games, um, I'll guarantee you, I care about every game I work on, no matter what it is and no matter how short a time I'm there, I care about it and I want you to love it. And I want the people that hire me to love it. Um, so I, I just found myself down a side street there. I have no idea what question you asked me now, but that was something, something I wanted to bring up though. No, no, I didn't. I honestly didn't want to stop you because you were on a great tangent that I didn't want to end. No, that, my original question was um, a lot of the characters that you voice you know, yeah. are, yeah, different parts of the morality spectrum. Did you have a preference or, you know, just kind of are you open to whichever character that that project that you were passionate about needs? Uh, well, well, anything, because again, you know, it's my job. My job is I'm a voice actor. That is my job. You know, you, if you pay me, I will come do your work to the best of my ability every time. And I'm happy and thrilled and thankful for every time someone hires me to do something. It, it, you never lose that thrill. I don't. And I, I think talking to, to friends and peers, I don't think anybody ever loses that thrill. I think it's always like, Hey, look, I get to work on another thing. Oh my God. Um, cause you never know you could work on something and then they never call you again ever. It, it can happen and it does happen. Um, but so I, I, I love, I love anything I get a chance to work on. And the great thing is because of the nature of, of this job and because of where I kind of sit in the field of, of people, I'm one of the, I am one of those kind of range character guys. Um, and just as a sidebar to that too, a lot of the time, like you say, if someone listens to my animation reel, and there's about 35 voices on there uh, in, about a mi- in about 90 seconds, which is kind of long, but a friend of mine who's a booth director at one point said, if you're going to go 90 seconds, you got to give me a reason. You gave me a reason, so don't touch it. Yeah. Um, 
but they listen to that and think, oh, you have to be able to do all of these different voices and you know, I, I can't do all of that. Then my response is always, then don't. Do what you do. If you can do one or two things and do them well and believably and make me believe you are that character, you can work because it's about the acting. It's not about range. People conflate like range and talent. They're not the same thing. You can be an enormously talented actor and not have a huge amount of range, but still be believable and committed and grounded in all of those things. Um, so for me, one of the joys of it, though, is that because I am capable of doing kind of the range thing, is that I get to play all these different characters. And I never know from day to day who I'm going to be today, what kind of character I'm going to be. If I'm going to mix it up, sometimes I get to be heroic. Sometimes I get to be straight up evil. But I think the gray area characters are my favorite just because they, they tend to be the most grounded because that's the way life works. Um, and they're fun because you get to, you get to kind of, you know, walk that line between, you know, the light side of the force and the dark side of the force. And you get to kind of use both of the powers and go, Hey, I got this kind of cool mix here that you don't have. Um, one of my favorite characters recently, and probably one of my favorite characters I've ever played is if you've played outer worlds uh, was Vicar Max. Um, Max is one of my absolute favorite characters that I've gotten to play because he absolutely treads that line. He's, he is essentially a good man, but he's also kind of a jerk. <laughs> Um, and he's smart and he's snarky. And, and I'll tell you, that's another thing. When we were working on that game, you know, I got these long, almost monologues, which is not something you get in games all that often, um, where it was just a lot of genuine storytelling and character development with a lot of information and nuance. And, and I would get to the end of a run of some of this stuff and I would look at, at, uh, at the director and I would say, this writing is just so good. And she, and she would say, oh yeah. And we would just tell the writers, we're like, guys, you're killing me here. This writing is so good. I can't believe I get to say these words. You guys are killing this. So definitely, I think I like all of them. Bad guys are always fun to play because, you know, everyone likes to be the bad guy because sometimes the good guys can be a little two dimensional. And I don't mean that from the writer's standpoint, I just mean as there's a certain framework you have to fit into if you're a straight up hero good guy that you really do have to kind of stay on the light side. And that's fun to play too, but getting to, to mix it up and that's where you can kind of find that, that grounded thing and try to, to really bring some nuance and reality to things. So yeah, the, the gray area characters, I think are definitely my favorites. True. Honestly, like, Vicar Max is one that you brought up that I am actually really glad you brought up because yeah, he definitely does flirt that little line, but man, is he, he's definitely my girlfriend's favorite character in that game. And That's honestly, cool. I would, I would be come on to say that uh, he probably is mine as well. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, now is your chance. If you haven't already, I see that plenty of you have already, but if you haven't already, go ahead and ask your comments and questions in the live chat below or on the side, wherever your bar is, because we're in the plug zone. Oh, yeah. Dave, now is your chance to plug, promote, advertise, whatever verb you want to use. Use this time wisely. Now's your time. Wow, no pressure. Thanks. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I, I just, I guess I just want to say to everybody who, who showed up for this, thank you for giving a crap that I exist and that I do this for a living. Um, that's one thing I, I never, <clears throat> I never take for granted and I never, I don't, I don't think I ever get used to, or, or certainly will never get over the, uh, and I say it every time I do one of these, but the fact that anybody on the planet that is not related to me or doesn't know me personally, you know, gives a crap that I do this and that I want to, you know, talk in funny voices for a living always humbles me and blows me away. I just, I, you know, I'm so appreciative of it because, you know, if you guys didn't care, then, then. I wouldn't have any work. So uh, I, I just want to thank you all for, for supporting me and supporting the work and, and all of us that are, are doing this stuff because we do it for you and we really want you to love it. And we're so happy when you do. And it's such a great thing to get a chance to interact with you like this. And, and for everybody that took the time tonight with everything going on in the world uh, to sit down and, and listen to me ramble. Um, I appreciate each and every one of you. And I just want to thank you. Um, you know, I've got a lot of stuff coming out that I can't, talk about yet um i promise you i will as soon as i can 
but mostly uh, if you, if you want to keep up with me, Twitter and Instagram, uh, Dave B. Mitchell on both of them. Um, <coughs> I, I make it a, a point if you instant message me, uh, message? If you instant message, I talk for a living. If you instant message me, if you comment on my wall, if you tweet something, if you, if you post something, um, I, I try to always make it a point to respond. Um, if it's not as timely as I would like, I apologize. But, um, you know, every time I respond and I get the response like, oh my God, I can't believe you responded. My thing is, well, why are we here? We're on here to connect with each other. And God knows right now, connecting with each other is about the most important thing we can possibly do with everything going on. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's priceless, the ability and desire to connect with each other and, and understand each other and, and talk and, and share our feelings, and our loves and our dislikes and, and all those things. So um, yeah, I guess that's probably the big thing is those two places. If you're not already on there, um, I don't really do Facebook much anymore. I've kind of gotten pretty disillusioned with Facebook, honestly. And, and the, the fan pages don't really offer a whole lot. Twitter and Instagram, you definitely get a lot of, of a lot better interaction. So if you have something you want to talk to me about, if you want to ask a question, uh, whatever, I promise you, I will absolutely try to make sure that I respond and answer you. And, and because I kind of feel like if anybody, t again, takes the time out of their day to want to send me a message or say, Hey, I loved you in this, or, you know, Hey, you know, what do you think of this? Um, Hey, will you be on my internet show? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, yeah, that's how all of these have come about. If people have said, Hey, I have this podcast, I have this show, you know, would you want to come do it? My answer is always, of, of course, of course I'll come do it. Why, why wouldn't I get a chance to talk to people that appreciate what I do, which I appreciate so much, get a chance to interact with people, answer some questions, maybe hopefully, you know, uh, shed some light on things maybe you didn't know about and hopefully, hopefully try to inspire people, not only in and doing their work, but just hopefully just inspiring the idea of just trying to be kind and, and being good to each other. Um, so I'd say that's my plug right there. It's just if you, you know, follow me on those two places. And again, if you want to interact with me, I, I welcome it because that's what I'm there for. And uh, I try to keep up with things as much as I can. And, you know, if I don't respond, it's probably because I didn't see the message. A lot of the time, the stuff when you're not, someone doesn't follow you, it ends up in a different inbox. And sometimes I forget to go check those. I'm like, oh man, there's all these messages in here. I forgot. Oh, sit. So, <laughs> so that I guess that's, I guess it's a big thing. If you know, if you want, if you, you have something to say, you just want to say hello. You want me to say hello. Hello, I'm here. And on yeah. that note, guys, uh, if you guys haven't already noticed, we have both Dave B. Mitchell's Twitter and Instagram in the live chat. If you're watching live on Facebook, if you're watching here on YouTube, it's going to be in the description below. So go ahead and check that out and give them a follow if you haven't already. And with that, we're out of the plug zone. So we're going right into viewers' comments and questions. Now, a lot of people, and it's cool that you, uh, it's kind of funny, rather, that you mentioned, you know, about being nice, friendly, because a ton of people are commenting how wholesome you are. So, you know, that's always nice to see. Also, My mom will be thrilled to hear that, so. <laughs> a lot of people are also asking if there's anywhere that they could check out your music. You did mention earlier you do music and you're trying to get back into that with uh, the virus. Is there anywhere that you post your music? And if so, can people check it out? Or is that something in the future you might be open to doing? Uh, it, I mean, it's something I, I will definitely be doing. Um, the funny, I used to have, and th this is going back. I used to have a MySpace music page. Uh, I think it still exists. I think those things are still there. I haven't looked at it in years, but I, I had posted, I'd done some, some scoring work for some indie films. And, you know, I, I used to have a, uh, used to have a progressive rock band when I lived, I was living in Boston for a few years with my, uh, with one of my oldest friends when he was going to Berkeley and we were out there doing music. Uh, I think I had some of that posted. Um, I don't really have anything up right now, but um, definitely I, I've, I've gotten inspired again and I've been kind of going back to a lot of stuff where I had sitting around for years and years and years, like seeds of things I'd started working on that I eventually wanted to get to. Uh, and I'm definitely getting to some of that stuff again. So thank you so much for asking and caring about that. Um, I will, um, I'm definitely feeling productive and I'm getting some stuff done here. So as soon as I have 
anything to share, I will be thrilled to do that. And I will definitely, you know, I'll definitely put it out there on Twitter and Instagram and, and, and try to, you know, put it in a place where, where people can check it out. Just another reason to follow Dave B. Mitchell on Instagram and Twitter. All right, another person wrote in and asked, is there a favorite voice you like to do? Not necessarily attached to a character, but rather like a kid's voice, an evil voice, you know, a big stoic heroic voice. Is there kind of one that just uh, kind of, I don't know, has a special place in your heart? Um, or, or they also asked, is there one in specific that you don't like doing? Uh, oh, hmm. As far as something I've actually done or just, um, cause I, hmm. I mean, there, there are some that are more challenging just as far as like the vocal stress goes. Uh, but real honestly, I kind of like doing everything I get to do. Um, you know, a voice attached to a character going back again to Richard from LFG. I, I love doing Richard's voice. He's just so much fun to do. Uh, and I get to sing, which is cool. Uh, you know, it's fun to to get to do that again some too. So, um, in fact, the, if you want to check that out, that's something I should have told you. But uh, just because it's been around for uh, like 2007, I think this came out. But if you look up uh, Looking for Groups, Slaughter Your World, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's got several million views. It's been around for a while. It's, it's me as Richard uh, gleefully murdering the inhabitants of a peaceful village, <laughs> um, all while singing about it to the tune of, part of that world from the little mermaid <laughs> uh so so that that's I, I love doing richard's voice um i do a lot of uh a lot of dialect and accent stuff it's kind of the if i'm known for anything it's probably that more than anything else and i do probably do as much if not more work with accent stuff than i do as an american honestly um and i love getting to do that just because you know, that, that's definitely comes out of my personality. Um, you know, as a kid, I always had a good ear. So, and that certainly where the music and the voice acting thing dovetail, because I think you'll find that if you look at most voice actors, most successful voice actors, almost all of us, I think have some connection to music, have some kind of a musical background <clears throat> because so much of what we do, even when we're not singing really is kind of musical because it's entirely based on sound on auditory performance so there and with accents and dialects you know there is it's not just pronunciation it's it's cadence melody timbre rhythm all of those things that are so musical and because i've always had a good ear for that generally if i hear an accent i can usually do it some of them i've had to work on more because they're there's specific stuff but as a general rule if i hear it i, I have a pretty good chance of being able to do it um so i really love getting to do all of that stuff and just sort of as a I don't know, kind of a sidebar answer to that. One of my favorite things to do is I love to do stuff in languages I don't actually speak. Uh, particularly the, the, the times when we're given free reign to actually make it up on the spot. We're like, this is what the character's intention is. And now we need you to just make up the whatever language they're speaking. Um, that's a lot of fun because it's, again, that's where my jazz background comes in. The whole idea of basically taking a set of chord changes and then improvising over them. Yeah. And, you know, creating stuff out of, okay, here's, here's kind of the framework for where you need to go. Now make some music out of these, these conditions <laughs> and definitely getting to work uh, to do stuff in languages I don't speak is a lot of fun because the good ear and the music background definitely helps there because, you know, we'll have dialect coaches there. We'll have native speakers there that a lot of time will feed us, you know, will feed us dialogue. And it's generally not, it's not going to be when a character is all of their dialogue is in a language you don't speak. Cause that that's impractical. You know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. One, it, it takes too much time. And if you're going to go to the trouble of having a character speaking a foreign language, then that character needs to speak that language because anybody that speaks that language needs to be able to listen to it and say, okay, yeah, that's right. I understand what they're saying. Their accents, right. And the words are, you know, the, the idioms they're using are right. Um, but, that that's when I really have a lot of fun when I get to, when I get to to do you know a sentence here and there of of something in a language I don't speak and, and get directed into it and then have the you know the dialect coach say yeah that's that's right that's fun because then you're kind of like I just did something I still don't know how to do <coughs> oh my gosh that I just I can totally understand though why that would be so fun especially with your jazz background oh yeah but ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry to say, that's all the time we have tonight. 
So ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode six of VisionCon Live. Before we wrap things up, Dave B. Mitchell, is there any last words you'd like to give us? Uh, again, just a, a big thank you to everybody that, that, you know, that joined us tonight, to everybody that comes and listens to these things when I do them, that to, to all the people that, that reach out and offer such kind words on social media, um, you know, when people, when I get to meet them in person and I really look forward to, you know, when we are all able to, to go out and do cons in person again. And that's something I definitely was planning on ramping up this year, actually, <coughs> was going and starting to do more cons because I, I love getting to meet people face to face. Cause again, I'm a fan and I'm a fan of a lot of the kind of things I work on, but I'm also a fan. So I get what it's like. And I love just getting to interact with people and, and to, to share our love for something that, that we have in common. Um, so just big thank you to all of you. If you had a question I didn't get to, feel free to, to you know, tweet or Instagram or you know, instant message or whatever. If there's something you wanna know, if I didn't answer it, please feel free to reach out. I will do my best to try and respond and, and you know, answer your questions. And, most, and, and thank you so much for having me on the show tonight. This is great. I, I, I love what you do. I think, I think you're doing a great job. This is really fun and entertaining. You, you gotta, you're, you're great for this sort of thing. You have absolutely the right personality for doing this. I think you're doing a great job. And I just, so I just want to thank you and everybody else. Th you know, thanks for joining us. And, and just thanks for supporting me. It, it means more to me than I can even express to you. And, and I really genuinely mean that. It really does mean something to me, and I appreciate it. Oh, continue. No, but in all seriousness, J.P. <coughs> Mitchell, the world needs more people like you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to episode six of VisionCon Live. Join us back tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central Time for my interview on episode seven for Derek Stephen Prince, voice of Shino from Naruto, Uyu from Bleach, and Kokichi from Danganronpa, just to name a few characters. Until tomorrow. This has been Zach Wilson, and much more importantly, this has been David B. Mitchell. We'll see you next time.